problem in 50 years will be that there's just not enough people. Most young men are single. The rate of Americans giving birth slightly dropped as the nation continues to see fewer babies born. Divorce rates have hit a 10-year high. Major problems with regard to the mental health of our adolescents. Surges in depression. Welcome to Tradish with Mary Rook, where once a week we're going to go over the societal decline and what we're going to do to fix it. Hi, welcome back to Tradish with Mary Rook. This is episode three. It's October. It is Halloween. There's spookies and scaries everywhere. And Interview Magazine did not disappoint us conservatives by releasing this really hilarious. I mean, it obviously wasn't supposed to be hilarious, but to us, it ca- you cannot look at the content that they provided and not be laughing out loud. You've got Taylor Lorenz, who is, you know, the girl who's famous for being like long covid And she also went to the Libs of TikTok creator's house and tried to dox her or did dox her. If she had this N95 mask on, she was super psychotic in it. But anyways, in the photos that Interview Magazine is putting up there, she just looks insane. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, Taylor Lorenz might even be a better troll than Donald Trump. Like she had to have known when she was taking these insane photos, like that conservatives were going to take a look at these and go, yeah, we're memeing this. I mean, there's already memes everywhere. If you just Google or search um, Taylor Lorenz in the X search bar on Twitter, you'll have like caption these pictures and looking at the comment section is seriously hilarious. User, her name is at Caroline C. Wilder. She tweeted a meme that said new California law could force people with mental illness to get treatment. That MP50 said 90-year-old woman found living in a storage closet of an abandoned electronic shop. I mean, these are just really hilarious. They've got Smeagol on here, my precious. This is what happens when you say journalist three times in a row while staring into your bathroom mirror. She appears. I mean, all I can say is thank you, Taylor. Thank you for all the laughs. You may be insane about long COVID. You may dox innocent people on the right or make the right seem like crazy bigots. But in return, you deliver us some really excellent content. I mean, who knows? The hottest 2023 Halloween costume could be aging Gen Z wears purple dress with weird tights and open-toed shoes while placing the keyboard on top of her head. I don't know how the Halloween store is going to package that and send it off, but I swear it would sell like hotcakes to the young Republicans. So thank you, Taylor Lorenz, for everything. This episode's for you. All right. Have y'all seen that really strange video of Madonna's recent concert? She, she's on this like new celebration tour and she's sitting there in front of the crowd. And I guess they're doing some sort of voguing event down this runway. And she's sitting next to her older daughter, Lourdes, while her younger daughter, Astier, comes dancing around and of course because it's madonna it's not just normal 11 year old dancing it's highly sexual the girl is flailing her body around the stage like she's in a strip club it's very disturbing um she's only 11 and she's not like an 11 that looks older she looks 11 so she looks like a little baby and she's in a yellow and black or golden black jumpsuit that's skin tight with these thigh-high boots, and she's just flopping around. I mean, honestly sick. And when you look at it and you see Madonna and then you see Lourdes and they're both just praising her and pushing her and, and, you know, encouraging her to act like this, you really start to worry, like, 
Hollywood does have an age of consent problem. I mean, I know we've talked about this for so long, but it is not okay for children to be used to express sexuality. It rips them from their innocence and it makes them process a an emotion and physical desire in a way that is just not possible for an 11-year-old. And what is Madonna even thinking? The content is dripping sexual deviance. She's supposedly holding a child-friendly concert, right? Like, this is something that mothers and daughters are going to together. It's clearly what she's, uh, you know, using as an example on stage. She's sitting next to one of her older daughters as her younger daughter performs, you know, performs loosely, obviously. What a weird thing to want your daughter to be a part of, honestly. Hollywood has for a long time had an issue sexualizing young girls with the, you know, support and insistence of their parents, where these mothers should be protecting their children. Instead, they're really just selling their children off into these lifestyles that they know for a fact will harm them. A really great example of this, if you'd remember Terry Shields, she was the mother of um, the famous actress and model Brooke Shields. She was literally so desperate for her daughter to be famous and like to make sure that her daughter made it in Hollywood that she allowed her to play a prostitute in the film Pretty Baby. This was like in 1978. And Brooke Shields was only 12 years old at the time. Not only was her character, you know, obviously highly sexualized, so she had to seduce and share an on-screen kiss with an almost 30-year-old. And then at 15, she had her in a Calvin Klein ad with the tagline, no one gets between me and my Calvins. And if you know anything about the old Calvin Klein ads, they were highly sexual. The female body was clearly on display, and it was about selling sex and jeans. There's a major issue in our society if we're using 15-year-olds and 12-year-olds to talk about sex. But not even just to talk about it. To expect that 15-year-olds are going to be having sex is such a bad place for our society to be. In California, the state senator, Scott Weiner, he represents Senate District 11, received a lot of criticism for Senate Bill 145. So essentially the bill is supposed to tackle who can and cannot be registered as sex offenders on the state's offender list. According to Senator Weiner, he says, Right now, law enforcement is wasting resources monitoring 18-year-olds who want to have sex with their 17-year-old high school boyfriend or girlfriend, and that's wrong. The registry was not created to be a punishment for any offense, but rather invented as a tool for law enforcement to solve future sex crimes by tracking past offenders that are at risk for re-offending. Okay, Scott Weiner, so who does this protect? It, are we really claiming that it's there are so many cases in which the police were involved in investigating 18 and 17 year olds for premarital sex. No, I don't think so. That's not really what we're going after whenever a kid comes and says that he's being sexually abused by someone. It says the bill only applies to young people age 14, 15, 16, or 17. But the issue is outside of the bold print and make sure to add that it also includes anyone within a 10-year age range of that. But don't worry. Because according to Scott Weiner, the vast, vast majority of cases where a judge may decide not to put someone in on the registry will be cases where the age range is close, such as that 17-year-old and 18-year-old couple. At the end of the day, 
A judge will have a full discretion to place someone on the registry and a prosecutor can seek it. Yet Wiener wants you to believe that it's, you know, only for these special cute little lovebirds, 17 and 18 year old premarital sex lovebirds that just want to be able to express their love in a physical way. And the law is really inhibiting them from doing that. So this is why we're changing that. If this were true, there'd be no need to add a 10-year buffer to each side. There would be no need to be able to protect people 10 years older than a 14-year-old from being placed on a sexual registry if it wasn't to protect people that want to take advantage of sexualizing young kids. We know that exposing kids to things that strip their innocence away from them causes them to have a hard time growing up into functional adults. We're seeing that in our society all over the place. There's a great study out of Brazil. Um, they tracked a 1993 cohort, like both birth cohort. They when In the questionnaires, they asked them a bunch of questions about when they first were exposed to sexual intercourse or sexual activity. What they found was not shocking. For females, the lower the age of sexual initiation, so the younger they were when they were first exposed to sex, the higher the prevalence of a major depressive episode. The study found that girls under the age of 17, twice the odds of a major depressive episode or of having a major depressive episode compared to girls who were exposed to sex after the age of 17. And that is just shocking twice the odds so two times as many chances to feel anxious depressed alone scared all of this because we've decided that we didn't want to protect children's innocence anymore it was perfectly fine to expose them to all of this take them to the drag shows take them to go and see the raunchy concerts take them to the movies take them and expose them to all of this stuff because this is what mainstream culture is all about. Sex, 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 sex. And so we might as well just initiate them right now, show them right now that this is how we live our lives. Because, you know, what's the point in pretending it's not? If we continue down this path, we are selling our children into a lifestyle that is making us depressed and anxious. Why are we continuing down this path? I mean, look at Madonna. She is not a woman that you look to and say, this woman's had an easy life. She's been well-loved. No, she's constantly like writhing around in her bathtub, making sexual content, exposing herself. She's old enough to be a grandmother, and yet she feels the need to continue to market herself sexually. That's where our society is. No one is safe, so why are we protecting our children? But it has to stop. I'm not willing to allow my girls to be sold into this idea that in order to be successful in mainstream society, you have to give away all of your morals and values. And in order to do that, I have to protect them while they can't protect themselves. It's not like Madonna's daughter knows that she shouldn't be on stage dancing like that. It's her mother's responsibility to take her and teach her how to be a woman of good moral character and value. And this is obviously not it, right? Madonna should be helping her, and she's not. Barring some kind of miracle, her daughter is more likely to end up like Charlie Sheen in um, 
Denise Richards' daughter, Sammy. She is only 19 years old and already has an OnlyFans account. This is clearly not the life we want for our daughters. So at some point, society has to cut it out. We've got to stop sexualizing our kids. And we have to say, no, it's okay for kids to be innocent now. It's okay for kids to be able to live their lives out without adults trying to use them for their own sexual pleasure. There's a popular post on X by um, at the Echo 13. She said, the most common reason I hear from women on why they don't want a second date with a man is that he didn't make her feel like a woman and instead forced her into playing a masculine role. Here are some of the stories I've heard in the past couple weeks. And so then she continues with several tweets of threat, you know, of um, experiences or instances in which this has happened to someone that she's heard of. In the first instance, she said the girl was driven around a parking lot for 20 minutes while the guy passed a valet sign multiple times until she says, maybe we should just valet. He then says to her, yeah, maybe. And continues to drive for another 10 minutes before the girl suggests again to use the valet. He sighs and then says, yeah, okay. Of course. Why would she want to go on a second date with someone who on their very first date did not have the courtesy to be able to to use the valet? Not just that. Okay. You don't have to take someone to dinner somewhere that requires valet in order for it to be a good first date, you know, and, and, and be able to parlay this into a second date. But if you are going to take her somewhere on a date and the only options are a very small or crowded parking lot, limited parking outside or valet, you need to be prepared that your bill is going to include valet. And again, if you cannot afford it, do not take her to a place that requires you to pay for valet. Women do not need all of that. What they do need is to make sure that you took the time to prepare for the date that you've found it important enough to prepare for the date. She talked about another instance along this same line where someone she knew, the guy picked her up and said, what do you want to do? And then after offering no solution to their issue of having nowhere to go on their date, he just kept turning everything that she suggested down. So this is obviously kind of plays into that really funny meme about how women have a hard time picking dinner. And anytime their husband's like, where do you want to go? She says, I don't know. And then he says, oh, do you want to go to, you know, eat burgers? Do you want to have Mexican food? Do you want to have Chinese? And she's like, no, not really. The reality is it's she doesn't want to make the decision. It's insulting to be picked up on a date and then for the guy to look at her and say, hey, where do you want to go? Essentially just looking at her in the face and saying, I didn't care about taking you out at all. This was such an afterthought that there was no planning, no preparation, nothing done to tell you that I care about what's about to happen between the two of us. And so if that's not right, what is she supposed to take away from that other than than him finding her to be inconsequential to his life? I mean, there is a real lack of thoughtfulness whenever you ask your the girl that you're taking out on a date to solve all the problems that you were the one that was supposed to solve. I mean, inherently, men are fixers 
well, women are nurturers. And so you're telling her at the very beginning of the relationship that you are incapable of leading her in a way that makes her feel safe and secure and loved and thought forward. These problem-solving skills are so important to showcase to women. Men need to be useful. And that does not mean paying for things or you know, taking pictures of us on Instagram, that means protecting us. That means making sure that they know who we are and they know that we, what we like. If, we, if you are expecting us to follow you in the biblical sense and be great submissive wives and all of these things, why in the world would you not want to showcase what a great leader you'll be? And asking your girlfriend or the girl that you're trying to date and to pick everything that's going on it's not progressive. It's lazy. Been more relevant to married men. I mean, you've been with your wife for so long. It's one thing to pretend like she's indecisive because a lot of women can be. And, you know, that's one thing. But men are not just leaving the dating world and, you know, choosing where they want for dinner and all that stuff up to women. It's indicative of an, a larger issue where women are being told that they are now the community builders. Where before men took that role very seriously, they took a step back. And women are now in charge of all of these different projects and making sure that it, just look in your community churches, for example. There's a big joke within the Catholic community about a woman named Susan. Susan from the parish council. She's often overbearing. She's often the one that wants the more modern readings and she often doesn't bow when she walks across the altar or the sanctuary. She feels like she owns the place and she kind of calls the priests out on, you know, on their their issues. But the reality is, is that the reason why Susan from the parish council even exists is because Dave from down the block is doing nothing. Our men are not showing up in that way and forcing women into those spots. And no, the last thing that we want to do is pick dinner after filling all these other roles that have been left vacant and saying things like, you know, oh, she only likes certain things. She's just going to hate where I pick. She likes being in charge. Have you ever thought it's because she feels like her life is spinning so out of control that the natural reaction is for her to grasp for as much control as possible? The men in her life are not making her feel safe and secure and confident. And so she has to control everything. The most confident women I know in my life are ones where they have strong, loving husbands who lead their families and allow them the breadth and the grace to be able to be great wives and mothers. Their lives are filled with passion. And it's all because their husbands step up. They don't force their wives to fill both roles. They don't force their wives to be the the fixer, the builder, and the nurturer all in one, because inherently they know that a lack of passion for your wife, for protecting her, for loving her, for caring for her, makes her feel like only she cares. So they take care of them. They want to know, they want them to know that they are going to lead them, and they know that they are responsible for keeping the relationship alive. And having that confidence and knowing that gives their wife peace. Women, at the end of the day, want to know that they have a partner in life. And a man willing to lead his wife this way will feel rewarded in the end.
He'll see how happy she is and that'll make him happy because that's what people in love are for one another. It's been a little over a week since the terrorist attack in Israel by Hamas. And I feel like the world is just now starting to wake up and realize that the leftist speech that's been forced down students' throats on college campuses is dangerous. We've got students marching in the streets for Hamas right now. And it's not shocking at all whenever you think about the fact that we have stopped teaching about how majestic our country is and stopped teaching about the benefits of how our nation was started and allowed campuses to be filled with a thought that we should be decolonizing the Western world. When all of these, you know, Harvard students came out in support of Hamas and Stanford students and, you know, all of these like very prestigious colleges, the students came out in support of Hamas. Remember Clinton and Obama administration official um, Larry Summers, he was also the president emeritus at Harvard, tweeted out, I yield to no one in my revulsion at the statement apparently made on behalf of 30 plus Harvard student groups. But please, everybody, take a deep breath. Many in these groups never saw the statement before it went out. In some cases, those approving did not understand exactly what they were approving. Probably some were naive and foolish. This is not a time where it is constructive to vilify individuals, and I'm sorry that this is happening. It is a time for absolute clarity that words or deeds that threaten the safety of others in our community will not be tolerated. Chris Rufo rightly pointed out, People like Larry Summers are the reason why we have students marching in the street for people that, quote unquote, butchered babies. Now, Larry Summers, as the president emeritus, definitely understood that they were pushing critical race theory and decolonization. Christopher Rufo says, Larry Summers in a case, is a case study and the useful idiot. Harvard has been promoting decolonization, critical race theory, and radical ethnopolitics for decades. They know exactly what they're doing. They're just scrambling because they got caught supporting people who butcher babies. I mean, it's incredible. He's right. He said, Harvard students are very smart, and the college's student activist groups are very involved. It's ridiculous to assert that they did not know the contents of the statements they drafted and signed. Summers would like, would like a world in which all evil is accidental a highly educated fool. But the product of allowing people like Summers in charge of students gives us this. A New York Sun correspondent was interviewing Columbia University student board members for the Students for Justice in Palestine, which put out a statement describing Hamas's attacks as a counteroffensive against their settler colonial oppressor. That's what Israel is. They're colonial oppressors now against Palestine. According to Columbia University students, of course, student board member told um, the Caroline, the correspondent, she said, collective liberation and the liberation of Palestine students is no different than the liberation of people who are colonized by Europeans in Africa and Native Americans that were colonized by Europeans in this country. That's what she truly believes is going on there. Not that Israel was there first, which historically we can pinpoint that, but just that that Israel has to be colonizing Palestinians, even though it was Palestinians who voted in Hamas to be their government, and then Hamas who fired rockets into Israel and sent paragliding 
militants into Israel to indiscriminately murder innocent people. Caroline described her discussion with the student as the musings of an idealistic, uninformed college student. She said, she is Muslim and said there is a part of this is a part of a larger struggle of brown and black people. It should be no surprise that she thinks this way. Decolonial movement, identity politics, social justice, it's taught in class. These people, because they truly believe that diversity, equity, inclusion is their strength instead of the part that makes them the most unsafe. There's nothing more inclusive than allowing the people that hate you more in this world to live in the neighboring land next to you. And then to have those people that hate you prove it by bombing your country, killing the innocent elderly and, and people attending concerts and little children in their bed. Any acknowledgement of their hypocrisy, the left looks conservatives and, and calls them bigots and, and evil people whose words cause violence. But there has been nothing more, you know, obvious over the last several decades that revolutionary thought is not being taught in some backwoods meeting in Missouri from old KKK members. Evil thought that is causing real harm in this world is being taught in all of the U.S. college campuses. And it's not just at Ivy League colleges or California State or anything like that. Go to a school in Texas, in Arkansas, in Nebraska. They're teaching these same things there. They're teaching these kids to believe that their country is inherently evil. And then every single successful policy that we've been able to enact here is somehow rooted in racism and hatred. It's not shocking to see students marching with Black Lives Matter and Hamas and every other far-left ideology because that's what they're taught in schools. The professors are telling them to support abortion. The professors are telling them to support these far-left causes because these are the things that make you a good, kind person. We've left that job up to them instead of parents taking it on themselves. College professors don't care about your kids. They care about their cause. And so they're going to use your children as pawns for their cause because th to them it's just cannon fodder. But to you it should mean more. There's a great video in, from the 2020 riots where a mother's walking the street and she sees her son participating in the lawlessness and she goes and grabs him, rips his, like, his mask off, rips his protective coverings off, and she looks at him and she's like, you're not doing this today. And she starts whipping him in the middle of the street and pulling him off to the side. And she's like, "Not this is not even happening. I raised you better than this. Every parent should strive to be like that. When they see their kids marching for Hamas, they should be ashamed of themselves and they should be doing whatever they can to bring their kids back into the family fold and teaching them their values. Because this isn't it. We don't march for terrorists, whether they're BLM or Hamas. We cannot be supporting these organizations that tear down the fabrics of our community. A lot of people can't handle what we're going to need to do to our education system to fix this. It is not for the faint of heart. There's a TikTok going viral on X right now, which is kind of funny to say. It's like a little snippet of it. It's a 25-year-old woman. She lives at home and she's talking to all the people in her comment section who keep giving her a hard time for still living at the house. Like, hey, listen, these are all the good things I get. Watch. 
I'm just now getting out of a bubble bath. And then she kind of makes her way down the stairs and she says, you know, walking into the kitchen and look what my mother has prepared for me. And her mom had made a beautiful looking apple crumble and set out an open bottle of wine to breathe right next to it. So she's like, why would I ever want to do anything else but live here at home right now? And that brings up a great point. Your children don't stop being your children just because they turned 18. That's not to say that you coddle them. The girl that runs the TikTok account, it's called Strawberry Milk Mob. It's also the name of her swimsuit company. And from all appearances, it's pretty successful. So she's living at home. She is earning money. She's able to break away from, you know, that kind of like societal trap. I mean, think about what what hurdles millennials and Gen Z and Gen X have had to jump since the boomer generation. Forget being able to own a home. Forget being able to pass down generational wealth. You're just hoping that you can work enough side jobs and side hustles in order to be able to like plan some fun vacation for you and your friends next year. It's an absolute nightmare out there for these generations. And this girl has seemingly cracked the code. She lives in a loving household. She works with her sister. They are producing this really great product. And, you know, all of these people are like, nope, I want them out of my house as soon as they turn 18. In fact, there's a comment underneath this guy at Typical Dad 43. He says, hey, if her parents let her live there free of charge, then more power to her. The day after my kids turn 18, they're out of the effing door, and I have made sure they know that so they can plan accordingly. I mean, this is such an abusive way to think about your children. Yeah, no one wants their kids to be underachievers. I think that there is a real worry with parents that their kids are going to live at home forever, like in the basement and never do anything and just play video games all day long. This is not a call to allow your children to be that. More that parents have forgotten their responsibility in this world. It, it lasts much longer than 18 years. There's a really great talk by a Catholic priest named Father Ripberger who talks about the spiritual responsibility of parents and who that lies with and, and all of that. But essentially, it comes down to, and especially for females, especially for daughters, their father has a responsibility, both spiritually and worldly, to protect his daughters until they are at least married, if not until their death. Now, of course, you want your children to be independent and you want them to be successful and you want them to be all of those things. But how are they going to do it without your guidance? Does legacy not mean anything to anyone anymore? These parents that would just allow their children to flounder as opposed to help and do everything that they can to create it an easier life for them, the, it's, not, it's not to spoil them. We were fed a lie that generational wealth spoils children. No, ineffective parents spoil children. Lazy parents spoil children. Parents who don't actually love their children and would rather just placate them ruin children. You're not going to spoil your child by working hard to create opportunities for which they don't have to then be a wage slave. You cannot expect your children to enjoy their lives or feel fulfilled if they can't even get what you got. We have Gen X, Millennial, and Gen Z children now the product of the boomer generation. 
they're being told that as soon as they turn 18, just get out of the house. You, if you're, and if you're there, you're a loser. But in reality, this girl is now set up for the fact that she won't ever have to work manual jobs in order to be able to buy a house, buy a car. She doesn't have to be in debt right now, living by herself in an unsafe neighborhood or, you know, living on carrots and, and cheap chicken in order to be able to survive. She's got to leg up. Her parents are loving her and nurturing her and helping her succeed. And she's not sitting at home by herself doing absolutely nothing. She runs a business in Canada, which is probably a pretty hard place to run a business right now. Should want your kids to need you, not be dependent on you. They should be independent, but they should need you. Why else would God give them to you in your care if not to need you to lead them, to help them, to love them? Your goal in life should be for them to want to be as close to you as possible for your entire life. Don't you want to see your grandkids? Don't you want to see the marriage of your children flourish? Don't you want to be there for the school plays for your grandkids and all of the basketball games and the volleyball games? Don't you want to live that life? Do you really want to be stuck at home all the time by yourself looking at the diplomas on the wall of the kids that you have that never come home? When my husband and I talk about this, we say, first, we want our children to go to heaven. We are going to work for that every single day and everything that we do. And that includes making sure that their time here on earth is not spent toiling away, doing menial things. I want them to live honorable and just lives, which means my husband and I are going to work in order to provide a legacy for them and not just for them, but for their children and their children and their children. Because when the generations that come underneath me are walking around here on this earth, I don't want people to be able to take from them and take their chance to be able to get into heaven. I want the path here on earth for them to be as easy as possible so they can devote themselves to God. We used to inherently understand this, which is the reason why family farms are a thing, which is the reason why generational homes were a thing. Now parents are lucky just to have their kids come back home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. But isn't that really what they deserve if at 18 years old they say, get out, we don't, you're not part of this house anymore? You're not under my tutelage. I don't have any responsibility to you. That's not how you're supposed to raise children. You're supposed to be there for them. They need you for the rest of their lives because inherently you are always learning how to be an adult. Every stage that you're in is a new stage for you in the same way it is for your child. So you need to be turning around and going, hey, when I got to where you are right now, this is what I was feeling. I'm sure you're probably feeling similar things. Let me tell you what worked for me. It may not work for you, but let me help you out here. These are the bonds that bind generations together. Your hope and wish on this earth should be that your great-great-grandchildren think and act and process things similarly to the way you do. You would hope that if you, you know, there was a magic time machine and you could go forward into the future and you could see how they live, that they are living honorable lives in the way that you taught your children to live. Because if you teach your children well, your legacy, they will be able to pass it down to their children and so on. It's when parents become lazy that family legacies do not get passed down. 
and we have to stop that. All right. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. All the show's notes can be found below. I'd love to hear from y'all, so please leave a comment while you're there. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you find us and check out my daily column at thedailycaller.com. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of Tradish with Mary Rook. You can find me on Twitter at Mary Rook underscore. That's at M-A-R-Y-R-O-O-K-E underscore. See y'all next week.